Welcome to The Bull and the Bear, a money and markets podcast. We give you the advice you need to know to make investing safe and profitable. With The Bull and the Bear podcast, you'll get exclusive access to some of the top thinkers, analysts, advisors, and gurus in the investment business. And now for your hosts, Matt Clark and Charles Sizemore. Hello, everyone. I'm Matt Clark, research analyst with Money and Markets, here with your weekend edition of the Bull and the Bear podcast. Again, before we get started, I, you know, I, I do this all the time and I do it for a reason. Um, I want to encourage you all to, after, after you watch the video or listen to the podcast, I want you to go to moneymarkets.com because that is kind of our flagship website where, you know, Adam and Charles, myself, and our, and our, our great team, we work very, very hard to make sure we're providing you with safe, smart, uh, simple, uh, profitable investment information uh, for your for, for your portfolio each and every day, including Sundays, Saturdays and Sundays when the market's closed. We still give you that information. So uh, head over to moneymarkets.com. Make sure you sign up for our free daily e-letter as well, uh, and you'll get that information sent to your inbox for free. That's just moneymarkets.com. Uh, a lot of great stuff on there. Uh, you've heard us talk about the Green Zone rating system. That is on there. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about Green Zone here in, in a little bit. Um, but, uh, uh, for now I want to bring in Adam and Charles. We're going to give you our three credible buys for this week that we've been, uh, we've been keeping an eye on, uh, bear in mind, the three of us, you know, we are eyeing charts and graphs and, and looking at numbers and spreadsheets, you know, five, six, seven days a week sometimes. And, and we get, we get in flux with a lot of information. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to decipher that information and give you the safest, simplest path to profitability in your portfolio. And that's part of what we do here. Uh, with our weekend edition of the Bull and the Bear. And I want to bring in uh, uh, Money Markets Chief Investment Strategist Adam O'Dell first uh, to talk about what his recommendation is for this week. Adam, first off, welcome. And second off, what has, uh, ha what has been in your mind uh, this week? Yeah, so this week we're looking at the, uh, the housing market, uh, the residential and, and even commercial housing market. Um, so some of, the, some of the ways that I get um, kind of a finger on the pulse of, of which sectors and industry groups are uh, currently in favor and, and seeing high demand and high investor interest is through my home run profits uh, service, which, which is where I kind of keep track of the sectors and the industry groups. And I use a kind of a momentum uh, and trend algorithm to figure out which sectors are showing uh, statistically significant uh, above average demand. And right now, um, the main thing I'm seeing is in um, ticker symbols, the ETFs IYR, which is a real estate ticker. A real estate fund and um, XHB, which is the Spider Home Builders Fund. Uh, so those two funds have kind of risen to the top of uh, our leaders and laggers board. Is something I publish each week in Home Run Profits. And so as those rose to the top of the leaders and laggers board, I kind of I downloaded the individual holdings within those two ETFs, looking for um, ones that rate very highly on our six-factor green zone model. And the pick I have today to share today um, is an interesting one. It's not a home builder. I feel like when you when you go with the home builders, not that they're bad investments, but you you have to pick which one or which you know which ones are going to do better than the others. But this is kind of like a, something of a picks and shovels play. Um, I'm recommending Potlatch Deltic, which is a uh, timberland REIT. So they basically own 1.8 million acres of timberland in uh, Alabama, Arkansas, Idaho. Uh, Louisiana, Minnesota, Mississippi, and so they own it. The, and this is a REIT, so they own this timberland, and they they harvest the timber. They also own sawmills and um, a plywood mill, and then they also sell some of these parcels when the prices are right for a premium to uh, developers that want to do like master plan communities uh, in rural areas, so they can sell at a premium the the land to developers uh, for residential projects and, and uh, things like that. 
So um, one of the big impetuses of this, uh, the outperformance of this stock, I believe, is going to be simply the price of lumber. So if you look at a chart of uh, lumber futures, which you can get on, I think, the NASDAQ website for free uh, if you don't have a futures trading platform. Uh, but lumber is priced in 1,000 board feet, and basically it's, it's traded around $300 per 1,000 board feet for pretty much the last 20 years. I mean, it's just kind of bounced up and down uh, within a fairly tight range, but basically the average has been 300 uh, per 1,000 board feet. Well, COVID changed all that. Uh, basically, since COVID, um, the price of lumber has gone up threefold to almost nine, went above 900. Uh, it's briefly touched on $1,000 uh, per board thousand board feet and now it's right around 850 or 860 or so so you've basically seen a tripling in the price of lumber and uh, potlatch deltech is a um, is a very leveraged play on the price of lumber so for basically every ten dollars increase in the price of lumber uh, this company this REIT will basically earn an extra 12 million dollars in EBITDA earnings so this is um, you know it's a very lucrative time for this this REIT um, it basically pays a forward dividend yield of 3%. So it's uh, for dividend investors, it's very attractive in that sense. Uh, their payout ratio is about 65%, so they can certainly afford to increase that uh, dividend, I believe, over the next several quarters. Um, this this uh, REIT also rates very highly on our six-factor green zone rating model. It rates a 91.4 overall. Uh, its highest scores are in growth at 98. So it's um, basically sales, uh, revenue sales, Net income and cash flow have all grown uh, very strongly over the past several years. Um, its quality score is 80, so its profit margins are very strong at about 16, 17%. Uh, its return on assets are top rank. It's also a good value, so it's rated 84 out of 100 on value. And then uh, its more technical scores, momentum, size, and volatility are all, are all in the 60 range. So they're not uh, up to the 80, but it has good price momentum. It's a $3.5 billion uh, REIT, so it's, it's kind of mid-cap mid, mid cap as far as the size. And uh, its volatility score is 62 out of 100, so it's, it's a fairly low volatile stock, uh, partly because of that consistent income that uh, shareholders uh, receive as, as far as investing in the REIT. So um, that's my play. I think that U.S. housing, uh, obviously a lot's tied to interest rates, and there's some concern that interest rates have ticked up recently, and that, that may bring down the affordability of home prices. Uh, as far as getting a mortgage, at least. But everything that we're seeing, you know, there, there's still demand. There's a strong uh, generational demand from the millennial group. Um, so housing starts are up, the housing permits. Uh, you know, there, there's basically the stock of existing real estate is growing older and older. So there's going to be kind of an impetus for new building. And so I think that's really going to play well for um, a lumber company. So that is my pick. Uh, the ticker symbol is on this is PCH. That's Potlatch Deltic, and I think this is going to be a good uh, pick for, for years to come, really. All right. So that's uh, trades on the stock, New York Stock Exchange, are correct, or is it NASDAQ? I, I looked this up yesterday, and I, I, I think it's the NYSE, but I, I, I could be very well. It's wrong. actually it does trade on the NASDAQ. NASDAQ, and it's PCH uh, for Adam's pick. Now, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go next. So uh, just Char Charles was anxious. I think, he, I think he thought he was going to be Chomping at the bit. I know. I know. And, and here I just interrupt you and, and ruin, your, ruin your flow. But um, I, I'm going to go a different direction. And I will tell you, I tell everyone this, that, that the three of us are all going in different directions today. Uh, I know last week we talked uh, about commodity stocks and, and how the three of us all feel very strongly that commodities and energy are, are sectors to, to really look out for. Uh, they're kind of those those sectors that other investors aren't watching. So it's kind of a, a great opportunity to, you know, get people when they're not looking, if you will. 
Um, for me, I, I'm going back to my old tried and true, and I'll tell you why here in a second. But, you know, if there's one thing that, you know, the coronavirus pandemic taught us, it was the idea of being flexible. Uh, I mean, it taught us a lot of things. Let, let, let's not, let's be clear. But, you know, being locked down for several months and, and, and in, you know, both in our personal lives and, and business as well, it really enhanced that need for flexibility. You know, and on the business side, you had thousands of companies that were forced to change how they did business because their employees were either uh, had to be significant, their staff had to be significantly cut or they were relegated to working from home. Uh, and in fact, there's a lot that still are. Uh, you know, there's a lot of companies that, that are still enforcing a work from home uh, posture at least until July, some as late as September, and it could even go on beyond that. Um, but it, it became unrealistic to, to do things like, uh, uh, you know, house data on internal servers. And I know that was a, that was a broad jump, but you've got to understand that, that because of that remote work trend that, that we're into now and likely to stay, uh, you know, companies had to adapt really quickly on the fly uh, to, to be able to house their information, their data, uh, you know, whatever, whatever they needed in a, in a way that anyone can access it. Uh, and this isn't just as simple as getting a box account or a Dropbox account, because we're talking about companies that have massive amounts of data and, and, and there's just box and Dropbox just aren't big enough for that. So these companies, some of them had their own internal servers, uh, which is just kind of, you have these large computer towers. They're in a, a back room in, in an air conditioned back room with one guy in IT sitting back there, making sure they're all operating in the blue. Uh, and this provides kind of the, the heart of all your computer operations. Well, that's no longer feasible. Um, because you have people remote who work remote who can't access that. Um, and, and, you know, so cloud storage, cloud data storage, uh, and the use of off-site servers uh, ha allowed the flexibility of accessing information uh, remotely for companies. A and for us as employees, so, you know, we're able to, if you have, if you've moved your data to a cloud uh, server or to an off-site storage facility, uh, then you just remote in and, and you operate as normal as long as you've got a stable internet connection. Um, so, you know, data storage companies actually got a pretty good boost during the coronavirus. And, and, and I think the trend of using external servers and cloud storage is only going to get bigger. Uh, you know, companies are going to spend more and more on technology storage than they have before. Now, in 2016, global revenue for technology storage companies was right around $29 billion. Uh, and that includes new buys and infrastructure updates. So not just new customers who are buying into a cloud or buying into a server, but also clients that are already on those servers that have to have infrastructure upgrades like new equipment or, or, or whatnot. Now, the spending for global uh, technology storage is expected to reach more than $50 billion by 2025. That's just in four years, folks. Uh, so you, you, you've gone from 29 billion uh, in 2016 to a projected 50 billion in 2025. We're gonna see spending increases uh, from 2020 all the way to 2025. Well, we saw it in 2020, uh, spending increases ticked up ever so slightly, and now 2021 and on, it is, it is going to skyrocket. And the benefit, uh, the way that benefits you as a smart investor is that if you recognize the growth potential of these companies uh, that supply data storage, then you know that this trend is legitimate and you know that this is a sector to look at seriously for your portfolio, not just for a day trade, but I'm talking about a more longer term, uh, a longer term position. And the company that I'm recommending today is Super Microcomputer Incorporated, trades on the NASDAQ, uh, the ticker symbol is S 
MCI. So basically Super Micro Computer Incorporated. Uh, it is the initials and that's its ticker. Uh, the company develops and manufactures uh, high-performance server and data storage products. This includes server blades, workstations, networking devices, server management software, uh, a lot of things that, you know, unless you're in IT, can be very <laughs> difficult to understand. But they're all very integral parts of data storage, cloud servers, uh, off-site cloud storage, all, all these types of things. Basically, if you use Google Drive or OneDrive or any of these other things, you understand the importance of what, cloud storage is uh, because you're already using it. You're, you've already recognized the fact that you can't buy a computer that houses all your photos uh, from Google uh, enough and your phone just isn't at that capacity. So you want to put those photos of your kids or your grandkids somewhere. So you put them on Google photos. That's a cloud service. That's a cloud service. Now these companies that I'm talking about, they buy into and buy products from super microcomputer. These are massive data companies. These are companies that are dealing with, thousands of terabytes of data on a daily basis, not on an hourly basis in some instances. Uh, and, and so the company has actually done very, very well for itself, especially since 2017. Uh, Super Microcomputer was actually on a pretty solid uh, revenue growth track until the coronavirus. It did manage uh, $3.3 billion in total revenue in 2020. Uh, that was down from about $3.5 billion in 2019. Um, but now the total revenue is projected to inch up in 2021 and really take off in 2022 and 2023. By 2023, uh, SMCI's total rev revenue projection is around $4 billion. That's a 21% increase in just three years. So we're seeing a big spend in, in, in uh, cloud storage, global cloud storage. We've got, you know, super microcomputer that is growing its revenue on an exponential basis. Uh, it's, it, and they're, they're on a very solid, strong uh, trajectory. Now, uh, if you back off of that and look at their net income, uh, despite a drop in revenue in 2020, the company was actually uh, able to increase its net income during the year. They went from 71.9 million in revenue uh, in 2019 to 84.3 million in 2020. So they actually saw a reduction in total income, but an increase in net income. Uh, their total projected revenue is hit, expected to hit nearly 200 million by 2023. That's a 333% rise from its uh, net income of 46.1 million in 2018. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, and so it's another remarkable rise for this company. Now, if you look at SMCI stock chart, it hit a low of around $16 per share back in March of 2020 to the coronavirus crash. It reached more than $32 a share uh, in June, paired back the gains. Uh, and hit a low of around $22 back in October, and then it started to take off again. Now it's at more than around $38 a share. Uh, it's a 139% positive bounce off the March 2020 lows. Uh, and then what's even more telling to me is that this stock weathered the sector rotation out of tech. It's done very well. It's actually gained out of the sector rotation out of tech as investors are moving uh, more into other more beaten up sectors and away and taking profits from their tech buys. Um, the 94% gain in stock price over the last 12 months is more than the 84% gain that the broader tech sector has seen in the same time. Uh, of course, I always look at Adam's six-factor green zone ranking system. Uh, super microcomputer rates a 90 overall as of today. Uh, that means only 10% of all of the stocks rank higher. It ranks an 89 on value. Uh, it's got great price to ratios uh, that all fall well, uh, well below the rest of the tech sector, which means it's not as overpriced as other tech stocks have become. Uh, SMCI ranks an 86 on quality. Uh, it's got great returns on, uh, returns on asset, equity, and investment. They're all positive. 
uh, which the tech sector broader, broader wise cannot say. Uh, and their uh, SMCI's uh, return on percentages are actually higher uh, than uh, tech across the board. The company ranks a 70 on growth. Uh, it's got a three-year annual sales growth rate of around 10.3%. Uh, it ranks a 69 on both sides with a market cap of about $1.8 billion and on momentum. But with momentum, you have to remember that our model looks at, at, at historical data. Um, so if you lo remember looking at the chart, uh, or if you go on and look at the chart for SMCI, uh, you're going to see some sideways trading. Uh, and again, I, we talked about that before. So I'm not necessarily concerned because what I'm seeing now is I'm seeing a very strong upward momentum move uh, for SMCI. And I think it's one that's going to hold, especially since it's been able to weather the tech sell-off. So overall, I think super microcomputers uh, is, is poised to take advantage in new ways, in the new ways we conduct business. Uh, it's certainly a technology stock. I think you should be looking at your portfolio for you in your portfolio. And again, it trades on the NASDAQ. SMCI. So that is my, my pick. I'm going to move over to Green Zone Fortunes co-editor Charles Sizemore. Charles, first off, welcome. Uh, a little chilly in Dallas today, apparently, as, as the jacket is on. Uh, it's almost like a daily guessing game to figure out what Charles is going to wear. Uh, it's become kind of a game for us. Okay. Um, good to know <laughs> that my wardrobe is something that keeps you up at night. It doesn't uh, keep me up at night. It's just something that, you know, I spend about two seconds on thinking about. It's like, is Charles going to wear a Patagonia jacket today or not? This, this seems and like, then I move on. Like, like, like royal family gossip columns? Or <laughs> did, did, you, did you see what the prince was wearing? Uh, how, what was he thinking? Um, if, you're, if you don't see paparazzi outside your office there in Dallas, then, you know. I, I, just, I live with the paparazzi. I, I'm used to it. It's, I understand. It's, you know, it's a constant thing. Back anyway, on track here. What, what, has been, what, has been, what has been plaguing your mind in terms of, uh, of, the stock, of, of a stock to look at this week? You know, we've been talking about commodities a lot over the last couple months, and um, you know, Adam touched on that again today. I actually like uh, both of your picks. Um, I was an early adopter myself on uh, cloud, just in my personal life. Um, I've been kind of tinkering with with you know proto cloud stuff since um, very early two thousands, and um, I, I still think there's a very very long runway for growth there. I, I'm also uh, agree with Adam that if you had this general building boom. You know, he focused more on residential construction, but you also tie that back to infrastructure spending, uh, spilling, infrastructure spending and everything else. You really do have um, the potential for a really big boom in, in just commodities and, and building materials in general. Uh, yet early estimates for the soon to be announced infrastructure spending bill, uh, Goldman Sachs has pegged it anywhere from two to four trillion dollars. Now this is two to four trillion in addition to what's already been spent. This is not, you know, our national budget is already multiple trillion. We just had the $1.9 trillion uh, coronavirus uh, relief bill. This is two to four trillion dollars in addition to everything else that's already being spent, dedicated to uh, road building, bridge building, uh, construction projects, et, et cetera. And so a big component, well, actually before I go there, uh, beyond the United States, I mean, every other country in the world is doing some version of this. Not everybody has two to four trillion dollars to throw around like the United States does, of course, but there are infrastructure projects being planned all around the world. And another kind of underappreciated aspect of that is a lot of these projects are actually pent up demand that didn't happen in uh, 2020. A lot, of pro a lot of mining didn't happen in 2020 because of coronavirus scares. A lot of construction projects either didn't start or were delayed or got dragged out because of coronavirus scares. So there's a lot of demand from, from last year spilling over into this year 
then you have this this potential for the the stimulus bill that's just like a massive just gallon jug of gasoline getting dumped on the fire so with all of that said i am wildly bullish on iron ore right now because iron ore is of course the uh, primary component of steel you really can't build any significant project without a lot of steel even in cement you need it for for rebar um, steel is ubiquitous in infrastructure projects. Without it, you have no infrastructure. So the best way to play that, you know, there's different ways to do it, but the stock I found, it sounds like a dog breeding company. It's called Labrador, but no, it's a Labrador Iron Ore Royalty Corporation. Trades in Canada, but it, you can also buy it in the United States in the over-the-counter market. Over the counter market sounds like some dude in a trench coat, like, you know, selling something illicit. It's not. It's just foreign companies that trade in their home market want access to the US market, but it's, it's expensive and it's a kind of a, a pain in the rear to, to go through the registration process. And if they're already registered in their home country, they don't want to mess with it here. So their stock can trade over the counter. Um, the ticker symbol is L I F Z F. That's Larry, uh, Indigo, Frank, Zebra, Frank, if that helps. Were you trying to go NATO alphabet a little bit there? I, I kind of was. What happened to me is uh, my kids got into a fight, and I was just sort of pawing at them to make them stop, and I caught an errant foot to the face, and so um, my speech is a bit squirred today. So uh, just another day in paradise in the Sizemore family. But anyway, back, back to Labrador. What I like about this company is that it doesn't actually do anything. It's really the perfect business. It's a very passive business in that they own mining rights that they then lease to another company, the Iron Ore Company of Canada. The Iron Ore Company of Canada does all the hard work. They're the ones that actually get the ore out of the ground and figure out what to do with it. Labrador just takes a 7% haircut off the top. That's their business. They just take a 7% royalty off the top for doing no work. They just take that off the top and uh, recycle that into dividends for their investors. And so the dividend, of course, is variable because it depends on what the price of iron ore is doing. If, if the price and volume of iron ore is high, then Labrador has just bumper revenues coming in. And they can put that right, you know, that goes in the door and then they just send it right out the door in the form of really high dividends. If the price of iron ore falls or the volume falls, then of course they have less money coming in. That means less money has to go out. But if you believe as I do, that this is going to be, um, you know, we're going to see a proper multi-year bull market in commodities in general and in iron ore and, and steel uh, in particular, then uh, this, this, is, this is fantastic. It means outsized dividends for a very long time to come. So um, if I got lost in the weeds on that, I don't know what I was going to say next. But um, you know, that, that's, that's the, the thesis in a nutshell. If you believe in this infrastructure theme, then this is a very high octane way to play that. Now, if you're not fully committed on iron ore, don't buy this because this is a, a pretty aggressive play. But uh, you know, what, is it, what does the yield look like today? If you take the, the last four quarters of dividends, it gives you a yield of about 8%. Now, the dividend payments have been getting larger, you know, the last four have been getting progressively larger. If you project that out, we, if, if this continues, based on the, the, the price today, you could be looking at a dividend yield of mid-teens or higher. 
Um, now, again, you kind of live by the sword, die by the sword. Anything that's paying out, you know, 13, 15% in dividends is, is something that could very easily have that dividend cut. And the dividend will be cut if um, iron ore prices fall. So this is, again, this is a bullish, this is an income play, but it's completely dependent on the price of iron ore. So digging through the, uh, the green zone ratings, this one rates exceptionally high. It rates a 99 in our scale. Now, I do think it may be, when you know how the green zone model works, you can sort of handicap when you think something may be kind of understated or overstated based on the model. This one may be a little bit overstated. I think it would still be rated exceptionally high, but there's a few metrics that I, I don't know how relevant they are given the way the company is structured. So volatility, it rates surprisingly high on, volati on volatility, which means it's, it's relatively less volatile than the market. It rates a 98 on volatility. And it rates a 91 on momentum. And momentum is one particular where the numbers are what they are. There's no you know, reading between the lines. If the stock is trending higher aggressively, it's going to have a, a high momentum rating. If you look at a, a stock chart on, uh, on Labrador here, you see I mean, it, the stock price has just been blasting higher for several years now. A lot of that is due to, of course, the commodity boom in, or the, uh, the building boom in China, which has, you know, China's been gobbling up the world supply of steel and, and of course, hydroxy iron ore for years. There was a huge dip in the share price in 2020. Of course, it was a dip in virtually everything in 2020, but the stock has bounced right back and has continued to trend higher. So very high momentum rating. I do not expect that to change anytime soon. Growth has also been high. And again, it's the same deal. What is their source of revenue? Their source of revenue is that 7% haircut they take off the top of um, Iron Ore of Canada's production. So, so long as you expect iron ore prices to be high, that growth rating should continue to be high. Now, quality, I'm a little bit less convinced. Quality at rates an 88 and value at rates of 59. I don't know how relevant those metrics really are for this particular stock because this is not an operating business. It's essentially a royalty trust. So I would take those two ratings with a degree of uh, a grain of salt. And then finally, um, size. It rates a 69 based on size. That's, that's not bad. Yeah, that, that's sort of mid-cap territory. I would be careful, though, trading these shares. Um, the over-the-counter shares are thinly traded, so do really be careful here. Um, use a limit order, or if you are you know, planning to make a, a relatively large order, break that up into several smaller orders and stretch it out over a few days. Um, this, you know, if you want to buy it in Canada, go ahead. It's, it's a bit more liquid in Canada. But if you are going to buy it in the U.S. over-the-counter stock, just be careful. All right. So that's Labrador. I believe it's Labrador Iron Ore Royalties. You got it. And it trades over-the-counter. Uh, I'm going to see. Hopefully I get this right. Uh, it's L... H-F-Z-F, correct? L-I-F-Z-F. L-I-F-Z-F, okay. You know what? Google Labrador is going to be the only thing that pops up. Well, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure if I Google Labrador, Labrador that'll be the only thing that pops up is Labrador Iron Ore. In a financial screen. <laughs> That's not If Google. you just go to the Google window, you're going to have a lot of puppy pictures. I understand that. <laughs> if you go to a financial screen, this will be the only thing that pops up. Exactly. So that, that's Charles's pick. I went with a uh, uh, super, uh, super microcomputer trades on the NASDAQ uh, SMCI, <clears throat> excuse me. And Adam uh, Potlash, is that correct? Did I, did I pronounce that correctly? Right. Potlash Deltek. Deltek. And uh, that is uh, trades on the NASDAQ under PCH. Parting shot goes to Adam Odell. Adam, what's your parting shot for the week? 
Uh, I just think you got to look at outside of the the growth names. I mean, the growth names and the tech names are struggling right now. So we, I think we've done a good job, the three of us, of highlighting some uh, gritty, as Charles said, gritty uh, industrial stocks that have good value. And uh, you know, check out MoneyMarkets.com. Uh, we have with the Green Zone rating system there for free. So I think that's a great resource. Yeah, and uh, and also sign up for our free daily e-letter at MoneyMarkets.com, where you, you'll get information from Charles, from myself, from Adam Odell, and and our team works very hard each and every day to make sure you are getting safe, sound, smart, profitable investment information um, for your portfolio. So that's going to wrap it up here for this weekend edition of The Bull and the Bear. We'll have the week ahead uh, coming up on Sunday, so make sure you uh, stay tuned. Come back to YouTube for that. And then next week, we'll have a full slate. Uh, we've got Ask Adam Anything, a new video series where uh, Adam answers your questions, investing with Charles. Charles is uh, going to take on some, uh, some different, uh, different looks at the stock market uh, in his video series. Plus, I've got the Marijuana Market Update the week ahead and the Bull and the Bear podcast. Plus, you know, we got other stuff working too. So uh, make sure you are checking out our YouTube channel, youtube.com. Just search Money and Markets. Click the goal of the uh, green Bull and Bear and uh, make sure you hit that bell, that notification bell. Make sure you get notified each and every time we post a new video. So for uh, uh, Charles Sizemore, co-editor of Green Zone Fortunes and chief investment strategist Adam Odell, I am Money Markets Research Analyst Matt Clark. Until next time, everyone, safe trading. You've been listening to The Bull and the Bear, a Money and Markets podcast. Tune in each week to hear insights on how to make investing safe and profitable for you. Thank you.